Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Um, and Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. I was going to say, and as we will learn today, not a baking guru. No, not a baker. <laughs> um, on that note, we are doing a special holiday baking um, show today, really inspired by an event that Andrea went to about a week ago where she had to um, not even bake. I'm not really going to shame you now, Andrea. <laughs> she just had to decorate cookies. Um but she met an incredible New York City-based, um, I want to say baker, but really like cookie legend for those of us who have lived in New York for, well, forever for me. But um, we have with us today Eleni Giannopoulos of Eleni's Cookies. And if I tell you, these were the first cookies my daughters ever wanted. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but we were in um, at that time in Chelsea Market, and they saw these incredible cookies through a window of giant taxi cabs. And being the little New Yorkers they were, they must have been like two. They were like, taxi cookie. <laughs> like the combination of two of their favorite things was more than their little heads could do. And that was our introduction. So we have with us today, Eleni Giannopoulos. Hi, Eleni. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm honored by your introduction. <laughs> it was, I mean, I should tell you, it was one of those things that every time we went back to Chelsea Market, I was like, oh, I got to be ready because they know, like they knew exactly where it was and what they wanted. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think parents both loved us and, and, and disliked us at the same moment. <laughs> Um, but they were so beautiful. I mean, I just, I kind of want to describe for people and we'll put pictures up um, and links to your website, but they are so beautifully decorated and they're delicious. And that is what's so unique about them because a lot of times there's some really pretty cookies out there. Um, and then you take a bite and you're so sad because they're just cardboard. Like they're just <laughs> decorated. And you know they're also delicious. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that because we pride ourselves on the taste and sometimes when you eat a decorated cookie, it can taste like sawdust and growing up. And then when I started my company, obviously my family was my audience and they were so critical and particular and it must taste perfect, which of course was my driving goal as well. And we worked really hard to have the best tasting frosted cookie out there with like a little bit of crisp, a little bit of soft. And so I'm happy that you and your children enjoyed them. Yeah, we might have enjoyed them too much. So, <laughs> but and so um... see the non-baker here, Matt, <laughs> Lenny, tried to decorate a cookie, but just realized her entrepreneurial spirit. Right, immediately asked, "How did you get started? Why did you do this?" And thought that that was just so fascinating that we had to talk to her about that and decorating cookies. Well, it was a really fun meeting, and I think I dripped icing a big bag of red icing all over Andrea. It, it definitely <laughs> livened up the Samsung party, but or our decorating table, let's put it that way. It but was we fun. all had a good time. It was a lot of fun. I just need to know, I mean, those were so beautiful, those cookies. And I, I mean, as a non-baker, and I know Rebecca and Amy are going to chime right in later, but where does the inspiration come from even to to design these? Like how, what makes you figure out what to do, how to do it? How did you learn all this? I think everything, all the inspiration comes from what is happening in your life. The cookie company was started because honestly, my husband and I had just been married and, and he said, Eleni, get a job. And so <laughs> I, I looked at what I liked best, which was 
catering and baking and entertaining for friends. And what was familiar was watching my mother growing up making baklava and teaching baklava to um, people in the Bay Area of California. So I started this cookie company that developed with an oatmeal recipe and then moved into the decorative cookies. We sell both today. The decorative cookies are part of what is happening in my life. It goes from a visit to a museum or sporting event or fashion. And then you'll see that type of line of cookies in our in our product offering. Andrea and I had the best time coloring cookies together. That line was inspired by my daughter when she was two years old. She had a play group over at our house every week. And my husband started to complain about the frosting all over the kitchen. So I learned about these edible markers and developed an entire line around Sophia and her play group that grew into one of our best sellers. Well, I think we, we trademarked it, the Color Me line. We take pride, again, in the taste and perfection of the way the iced white cookies are and the different shapes. Each gift set tells a story from like safari animals to Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, barnyard or fashion and flowers. But then the pens make it so fun. And what really came to life at the event that we did together is watching all these adults take this blank canvas of icing and create. And it was great. They they did use edible markers combined with royal icing. And I mean, Andrea, you could speak to it too. There, there was these two gentlemen who made self-portraits, which were fabulous, <laughs> and ornaments and trees. And I was really blown away at the creativity. But I think it's it's taking what is what you're inspired by and then running with it in your own company. So at the time, I was very motivated to create a clean and parent-friendly DIY and then use it in my home and use it for business. And it's turned out to be one of our best sellers. That's amazing because um, even though I love baking and I bake a ton, I hated baking with my children. I hated the mess. And that sounds like a way that I could have let them decorate and go crazy a little bit without wrecking my kitchen. Uh, it's so true. And, you know, if whether you order them from us or not, of course, we welcome you to order them from us. And these white canvases come and the edible markers come and it's the easiest cleanup. And what I liked um, owning a bakery, obviously my kids are exposed to a ton of cookies. They're having so much fun decorating that they forget to eat. They're like, oh, whoops, <laughs> no one ate the cookies. It's okay. But, um, but if they want to, they certainly are there to enjoy. And it's hilarious watching adults decorate, um, you know, over for perhaps cocktail hour. But there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, it takes a lot of patience to decorate with kids. I have to say that now my daughter is 10 and a half and she's really enjoying baking. And um, my thought for like holiday baking is to set up enough time and maybe to bake in stages. So it's not as overwhelming. And I don't know about you, but the cleanup can be you know, massive. So if you kind of set up the activities, maybe you bake one day and perhaps even freeze your cookies and then decorate them another day so that the whole process isn't too much for the family. Is there a good cookie you think is like um, sort of an easy cookie for kids to start with? If you want to bake with kids, it maybe is just like the least intimidating and the highest reward. Absolutely. <laughs> My go-to right now is America Test Kitchen. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. My daughter goes online and you can see they have a children's section. She just made last week a cinnamon and spice cookie. 
she was able to handle it herself. They rate the recipes for children, easy, difficult. It tells you how long. It breaks down the steps into something that probably someone from, you know, I'm not certain, but let's say eight years old and up can handle on their own. And it so really- So I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's one of my favorite go-tos um, for children right now. And we're experimenting daily with it. And the recipes just are, they're great. You can tell they were tested thoroughly. So I highly recommend that. Oh, that's a great resource. I never even think about that for kids. I use it so much for myself and I've never even looked at the kids section. Well, you know, speaking to Andrea and computers, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I use American Test Kitchen all the time for myself, baking and cooking. And it was my daughter, Sophia, who jumped online and found the kids section because I just would not have naturally gone there. But as you know, our children are so familiar with computers, speaking for myself, at least much more familiar with them than I am. And so she just intuitively knew to look for it. She was there at our home two weeks ago with four friends, and they were able to bake for their bake sale on their own. There are some kits for children, but I encourage them to learn to bake from scratch because the one thing that's been really fun is to teach math through baking. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I could see how much Sophia has learned from having to understand how to scale a recipe. And um, if you provide kits for your children and everything comes pre-measured, you're taking that part of the process out of it. And I think that they enjoy it from you know beginning to end. So are you a proponent of weighing all the ingredients or using measuring cups? We do both. If I'm making a pumpkin pie and I feel that I really want to be spot on perfect, I'm weighing them. If Sophia is making, like I said, um, a chocolate chip cookie and she's 10, let's be realistic, she's <laughs> um, she's using you know cup measures but we're teaching her how to you know not stuff the cup full of flour and how to you know naturally understand how to weigh things and the importance of what the different ingredients do and so I think that it's a combination of both well yeah because you have to know how to do the cup measures in case the recipe doesn't come in weights um correct but I always appreciate it so much more when the recipe comes in weights. It's just so much easier. It really is. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And a lot of the dishes out of it. It's true. <laughs> so I, the other thing that we are trying to do is make gingerbread houses. Honestly, we used to make them at our plant all the time. And we have stopped making gingerbread houses for our line. But at home, I'm certainly enjoying it with my own kids. And so again, we're going to make the walls and the bases one day and then come back and assemble the house another day. And then start the decorating process after that. And if anyone's decorating gingerbread houses this season, we absolutely love going to Economy Candy. They have the greatest assortment and it's this fun little shop in the East Village. It's it's a great little find for your gingerbread houses. This year, we're going to take ribbon candy. I was inspired by seeing a gingerbread house in Bergdorf Goodman. And they took ribbon candy and made like a look of a terracotta roof. So it'll be fun to see what we create. Oh, wow. And I highly encourage gingerbread houses with your kids. A couple years ago, we made, um, we had a gingerbread contest in our home and one of, or several of the homes were made out of all cereal and it was hilarious (laughs) and it was great fun. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. You don't have to be, you know, constricted to just candy. 
Well, I, I absolutely need to do this because almost every year we make some kind of gingerbread house kit, like where everything comes in the box and it's all pre-baked and pre-cut. Even though I own at least two different sets of gingerbread house cookie cutters that are still in the boxes because then, you know, it gets to be December and I'm too busy to actually bake the stuff. Um, so this is the year. I can feel it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to actually make it from scratch. And if you have a good gingerbread recipe that's good for making houses, I would love to have it. Okay, I will absolutely share. The other thing that Andrea and I did that was fun and is really great with parents and kids is we used edible gold and silver. You can also buy many different colors and you can either mix it, which we were doing at the Samsung event with vodka, which is kind of fun, maybe not appropriate for children, but you can add Wait, I miss the vodka. <laughs> you didn't see the vodka bottle being passed around? You no. Can also, you can also, you might have needed it after the red sweater incident. You can also um, use lemon extract to mix your edible gold and silver and then with paintbrushes it can allow you to paint a heavy opaque look on a ornament cookie or a gingerbread person or anything you like or a very light brush stroke which can make your artwork look very interesting with and something that a three-year-old can manage so it's kind of a fun um technique to remember nice. also i should give a big shout out to um new york cake they've relocated um, to 22nd between 6th and 7th Avenue. And their new location is very organized. You can see all the different baking tools and products that they offer. And it's a really wonderful place to shop if you need inspiration when you're getting ready to bake for the holidays. Yeah, I can't go. I would be bankrupt. <laughs> oh, I love it there. Amy, you would love it. You would lose it. I, I would. That's why I've never been. Oh, you've never been? Never. The old location, it's it's like magical. They also have all the like, um, if you're too lazy to make fillings, like if you're making, you know, sandwich cookies and stuff, but they'll have, they have every kind of filling imaginable. So you can get raspberry and mango and pantry, like every incredible. It's, yeah, it's something. It's really like, it, it's, it's, it's like a baking candy store. And now their new store is just clean and organized. <laughs> it's just easier to shop. And if you need a cookie cutter, they certainly have a, a wide assortment. That's awesome. I love that tip too, that you're, you don't need to just do the cookie decorating as an activity for the kids, like that it's really fun as a cocktail hour or something. It seems like a really great icebreaker too. If you had, you know, sometimes the kids like cousins, they don't see each other all year. Maybe it's a little awkward at first, or you have friends who come over for the first time sharing a holiday with you. It's such a great idea to have just a bunch of blank canvas cookies um, and have a bunch of those you know, edible I, markers out. I agree. I mean, that's the easiest for sure. And it is a definite icebreaker for Thanksgiving this year. We had a children's table that had you know my 10 and 11 year olds but then we also had 16 17 year olds a freshman in college so it's you know it's awkward they are very different stages of their lives and the color me absolutely worked and it was a great icebreaker uh, the other thing that we've done that's fun is to make two or three doughs before your cousins or friends come over like a chocolate chip dough a basic sugar cookie dough maybe even a ginger and then leave out all these different ingredients that the kids can add and then bake their own. So maybe it's chocolate chip and pretzels and marshmallows, raisins, all sorts of interesting things that they can add and make their own cookies, but in a very organized and um, you know streamlined manner. So you just have the chocolate chip dough, you let the children use an ice cream scoop to put it on the tray, and then they put all the different toppings and they bake them off and they see what happens and they enjoy it. So, you know, um, I... 
I think that's a fun way of having friends over without them getting out a mixing bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did something like that for one of my daughter's birthday parties once where um, instead of cookies, we had like 10 different toppings and then I melted chocolate and we put them in molds and they could put whatever things they wanted into the chocolate bars and then we put them in the fridge and then by the time dinner was over those were ready to eat that was a huge hit oh yeah no that that's so much fun it's like making bark yep yeah that's really fun I mean so when you start let's go a little bit into your story when you started your business you were newly married right yes Um, but you didn't have kids yet that's correct so when kids entered the picture, <laughs> how did that change for you? Like both in, you know, how you approached your business, but also maybe even what you were making and things like that. It changed everything. I was married for quite a few years before we had kids and the business was started before we had kids. And then um, when we had William first, everything changed. I felt like before I had kids, I would go to work five, six days a week. And I was so happy. And it was like, you know, 10, 10 hour days, but that's what you do when you start your company. And then William came along and it was really difficult to um, balance that work life, but he was so young. It was okay. I remember like a week after having William going back to work and doing, I don't know, some kind of um, TV interview. And, and I realized like, oh my gosh, I had a baby. And I think it was two <laughs> years. And then <laughs> and it might've been a little too much. And then Sophia was born 15 months later. So after Sophia was two, my husband and I said, we need to take a solid maternity leave at this point. And, and we took a month off and, and that leave really rejuvenated us and allowed us a moment to breathe and, and get our, uh, just our not priorities in gear, but just be able to kind of create a balance for work and, um, life. But the fun thing is, is that I own a bakery and kids can relate to it. I'm not a dentist or a banker. It's a fun career. It's definitely time consuming. It's grown to a point where I'm able to manage it better. We have terrific staff. It's not a company of myself. It's an incredible staff behind me that has made everything possible. Um, I do think that anybody you know, balancing today, um, you know, 10 and 11 year olds or at the time, three year olds, every year has its challenges. Uh, We try to put the children first and sometimes there's sacrifices. Does that that resonate with everyone? Yeah, Uh, for sure. I just think that you must have been the funnest mom to come in and talk about what you do at school. I mean, did you bring cookies with you? I know. Are you the go-to bake sale mom? Did you get all this extra pressure to be like, well, for the bake sale? (laughs) Okay. Yes. One, we did get a lot of pressure to be the go-to mom for the bake sale. We actually did, when they were at nursery school, they auctioned off a cookie decorating similar to what Andrea did where you came in and colored your cookies. And it was really rewarding because I think we raised $10,000 for the school in like 20 minutes. And every child in the school came into the auditorium at the same time for this massive decorating party. But it was one of the most fun experiences. And yes, we've had the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the classrooms, the friends' classrooms. One friend called and said, can we come a second time? I said, I think you're pushing it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So they've all come and visited the bakery and toured and decorated cookies. And Sophia and William love to take their their friends out to the bakery and they would, I would say, I started bringing home treats every day until my husband said enough. And I think the dentist said enough. And then this is when the kids were really young and I stopped bringing home cookies. They said, what's wrong? And I said, the cookie machine broke. And after a couple of weeks, they said, 
well, fix it. <laughs> Anyways, today they're old enough to understand, but it's, it's certainly, um, I love the bakery. I like the fact that the kids are involved. They're actually old enough now to inspire lines of like what's going on in your life. What would a 10 year old want to buy? And they can voice their opinion and they then, you know, in an odd, an odd thought, we sit around the dinner table talking about, you know, manufacturing. And I think, uh, I grew up in a family that my father was in commercial real estate. So I guess you learn whatever is happening in your family. So, you know, my kids know more about like plants and, you know, bakery and logistics and sales and, you know, margins. But I think it's kind of fun that they're learning that. I guess in other words, we bring the bakery home. Right. <laughs> That's great. But they, they, they certainly enjoy it. And, and when, you know, when we're testing new recipes, let me tell you, they're front and center. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is so helpful. I do think like this is the big cookie baking time of the year, um, which is so funny. Like we think of everything else about the holidays in terms of cookie, but it really everywhere you look, right, there's holiday cookie recipes going on. Um, and so I think this is really helpful. I think people feel a lot of pressure for things to be, um, a certain way or they get so stressed out like Amy was saying that including their kids just seems overwhelming so I think this is really helpful for people to see it as a joyful fun thing that kids can be included in and there's ways to manage that really well so thank you so much uh, I love being here and you know I think I learned from my mom like it's it's about as much as all of us adults want to have a, a perfect moment and per perfect cookies it's really about the activity of doing it together. So with a, even, I know myself, I've just stepped back and let Sophia, you know, take charge of the cookies and enjoy it. And, and it's a great time to enjoy just being with your kids. And the product is less important than the family experience. It's nothing like just baking cookies at home with that warm smell in the oven. So anyways, happy holidays. And thank you for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. And I really appreciate um, you all letting me be a part of it. It was great. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thanks for all the uh, fun cookie making advice. Those were great tips. Like I never thought about like make the dough and put it aside. Like you don't have to do right. it all in one day. Like that whole idea of like breaking it down was I think a great tip. Right, because kids lose their attention span, too. Yeah, and you just want to clean everything. When I do a whole bunch of cookies, I've learned that it's so much better if I do the dough one day and then bake everything the next. Yeah, especially a lot of dough gets better anyway when you let it fridge. Oh, yeah. So. Um, and Andrea, you never really, we never really talked about what happened that was the big disaster. <laughs> you just mentioned the red sweater incident. What happened? Well, there was this whole table of people sitting down, having fun, squeezing, you know, those big bags of icing onto <laughs> the plain cookies and decorating. And they were all different shapes, Santa Clauses and houses and candy canes. And I sat down and picked up a thing of red icing. And I said to the, the person next to me, God, this, this is really hard. I'm squeezing it and nothing's coming out. And everyone else was decorating away. And of course, I'm not a baker. I had no idea that maybe this was a different kind of icing. I'm not really sure what happened, but he said, oh, just give it a good squeeze. And so I squeezed it. The top came off, you know, the force exploded the top, <laughs> and all the red icing in the bag of icing went all over me, my plate, bounced off all over me, my face, my black Eileen Fisher cardigan sweater. Oh, my God. My necklace. Oh, my God. I was covered and I just kind of sat there for a minute going oh my god until 
the Samsung PR person and Eleni looked at me and went, oh no. (laughs) So Eleni and I went to the ladies room where she took my sweater and we tried to hand wash everything just so I could go back out again. And that's where we bonded. And I asked her all the questions about how did you start this? And she was awesome. So it was worth it because then we got a great podcast episode. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for taking one for the team, Andrew. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) And my my sweater's still at the cleaners. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) Welcome back. We are ready for our bites of the week. Amy, what you got? Okay, so um, this is, I didn't even plan it this way, but this is totally appropriate for the episode that we just did for the interview. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I'm a member of a cookbook club and every month or so we get together and we all cook from one cookbook and it's fantastic. It's like my favorite uh, day of the month. It's great. But in December, we're all a little busy, and so to go easy on ourselves, instead of doing a full dinner, we do an afternoon cookie exchange. And it just happened this past weekend, and this year we did the book Dory's Cookies by Dory Greenspan. And this book is amazing. I mean, I love her. Oh my God, she's she's wonderful, but this book is incredible. Like, it's not just you know all the same cookies that you see in all in all of the cookbooks it's there's so many unusual recipes so many different methods like the i made two different cookies for the exchange and one of them like you start out melting butter and golden syrup in a pan and then mix that into everything and it was like the best cookie i've ever made in my life it was an oatmeal coconut cookie um and then another one like it, it it had this Biscoff filling. They were like sandwich cookies with a Biscoff filling dipped in chocolate. They were insane. Yum. And the entire book is like that. Like what I do for Cookbook Club is I always go through and I take those little post-it tabs, those little like flag things, and I flag pages that I think I might want to make for the for the meeting. And I usually have like a dozen to choose from by the time I'm through with the book. I think I flagged more pages than I didn't flag in this one. Like, I just want to make everything. So that's my bite. It's an incredible book. And the best part is, whether you're an experienced baker or not, the whole first section is like tips and advice and techniques and what you should buy and how you should do this. And it's stuff that took me years to learn on my own. And she has tips for each recipe that like normally you wouldn't know until you made the recipe three or four times. It's just, it's so good. Wow, I love that. You know, it's so interesting because I, um, in the last, I don't know, maybe over the last year, because I have the Instant Pot, I've been reading a lot more food bloggers than I normally do mm-hmm. because I've been sourcing recipes and there just aren't that many good cookbooks, especially if you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe how bad more most food blogs are. I'm so bad. Pe- so bad. Nobody tests the recipes. Nobody puts correct measurements. No one put, I'm like, this is the difference between, and remember when Martha Stewart said this, never got mad at her years ago where she was like, food bloggers are not. There are, you really have to dig so deep to find the good food blog. And there are some amazing food bloggers, but you really have to know who they are that you can trust the recipes. Most of them are garbage, no joke. And so when you have a good cookbook, that's the difference is they're tested and not all cookbook authors are great either. But like when you know someone like that, who's really, really testing their recipes and doing all this stuff, it's a world of difference. Okay, this is why I put like five or six recipes on my blog a year 
because I actually test them and make sure that everything's correct. It's a lot of work. There's Tons. no way that these bloggers are doing a recipe a day and really testing it. And Martha Stewart, I agreed with what she said, but I find it hilarious that sometimes when I try her recipes online, there are mistakes. Like it's obvious. Oh, it's she's so, notorious for bad recipes. It's horrible. Like, and, and it's obvious that a lot of the times what they did was they had like some intern watch an episode of her show and then try to just cr- transcribe the recipe yep. and they get it wrong. Yeah. That's why you have to even I find that in the New York Times too. There's just several of the cookbook or the whatever they call themselves on the New York Times, whatever they are, the cook people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but several people I trust and many I don't because I've tried so many of the recipes and they've been bad or bland yeah. or whatever. Well, you have to please give me whatever recipes you've tried for your Instant Pot because I just admitted to Amy <laughs> to the world that I've had my Instant Pot in a box in the garage for about five months now, would you say, Amy? Oh, probably. Maybe. And, Don't feel uh, bad. Haven't opened it. Haven't used it. So I, I, and I look at these food blogger things and I'm like, oh, I should try that. So send me the good Instant Pot recipes. And of course, I still have all of Amy's. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'll post my, the very first Instant Pot recipe that I wrote because um, it wasn't a recipe so much as here's what's eat, what each part is on your Instant Pot and here's what right. it's for. And because it's really overwhelming when you start. There's so many buttons, there's so many different things, but you don't need 90% of it to do your yeah. first recipe. And can you, can you do it like a recipe, like say, this will take you this long? <laughs> <laughs> to, to open it up and figure out all the parts will take this long of right. prep time. <laughs> it doesn't That's take long. But Andrea, don't feel bad. It took me a year to take my box. Yeah. A, a whole year. It, it took me, I, like, I think about six months. Yeah. And now I use it at least twice a week. All right. So there you go. I'm starting to watch TV shows, you know, that are two years old. So I'm catching up with that. Next, next up is my Instant Pot. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, on that note, what's your bite? (laughs) Okay. So my bite, I'm actually really trying to get back into going to the gym and getting some physical activity done. And I have a gazillion fitness and activity trackers, but I have found one that kind of calls you out. So, you know, when you're like, oh, I just don't feel like going today. My body's really too tired. So Garmin has a new fitness and activity tracker called the Vivo Smart 4, and it has what Garmin calls a body battery, which basically takes into account your sleep, your oxygen level, your heart rate, your stress level, uh, and it tells you your body battery. So if it says your body battery is at 25%, eh, take a rest, skip the gym. But if it says you're at 80%, get off your butt and go to the gym because it's just your brain saying you're too tired to go. And so I like that it actually pushes me and tells me, yeah, go. And the, I mean, obviously it does everything else, you know, your steps and everything that an activity tracker does. But for me, stress levels are really important to take a look at. So it measures your stress levels and then has this relaxation breathing timer that just reminds you to stop and breathe. So this is my new fun device. That is the weirdest concept. <laughs> well, but it's it's almost like everything you want in a fitness and activity tracker. And oh, and it's smart. So you can get your text messages on it. You can get you can see who's calling your phone. You can see who's texting you. And then it'll tell right you on your wrist. Will tell you who makes you more stressed. Like, oh, <laughs> you get a text message. It's like somebody calls and all of a sudden your heart rate goes up. <laughs> Um, you know, so you get all those notifications, you get everything that, you know, a normal activity tracker would give you. 
but it adds in these other, you know, like Apple Watch is moving in that direction of measuring your heart rate and letting you know when something's weird. And this has the, the pulse ox, which is good too, your blood oxygen level. And then something that really just kind of validates when you say your body's just too tired to go to the gym. I like that. I like and that it comes in purple. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> purple for the win. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, my, what's yours? My bite is the new way to do toys for tots, Ooh. which is Amazon announced that you could do toys for tots with Alexa. Um, it's hashtag delivering smiles. All you have to say is Alexa, donate to toys for tots and Amazon will get a toy from you. <laughs> and donate it directly to Toys for Tots. That's and cool. Deliver it. Yep. You don't have to do a single thing. So this is not for people who are like, oh, I have tons of toys in my closet that I want to get rid of for Toys for Tots. Um, this is you're buying a brand new toy for a kid and it couldn't be easier. And you literally, you don't even have to go on Amazon. You just tell Alexa, donate to Toys for Tots. Do, well, do you get to say the price range? Yeah, you can <laughs> you, you confirm the purchase. Okay. So... Um, so if you have a bunch of toys, like I know last week I was driving around with toys in my trunk for like three weeks and finally found a Toys for Tot drop off because I wanted to, to, you know, I had toys. This is like if you're shopping, holiday shopping, or just want to donate a toy and you don't have to do anything, you say it, it does it, it sends it. Yep. And they match it. Ah. So they send a second toy too. Um, I mean, they're doing it up to like the fine prints, like up to $100,000. So they might have already matched. Mm -hmm. um, but you do, you know, you confirm them. They'll recommend, Alexa will recommend um, the gift from the Toys for Tots charity list. So Toys for Tots has made a list. So they even know the toys that the kids want and the toys they need. So that's also what's nice about it. Cause you know, I'm sure toys for tots gets tons of stuff that people are, cause you know, let's be honest, a lot of people decide to empty their closets um, that they might yep. be like, eh, no kid wants it. Yeah. Or regift, you know, things right. that your kids didn't want. Or it was old, three years old. So toys for tots has actually created this registry for Amazon. That's great. That so great. it couldn't be easier. I would, the only thing I will say is, this is definitely that has the potential to get um, abused by your child because <laughs> it seems so fun to do and so easy. So definitely, um, you know, make sure you're keeping track if your kids hear you do it. But I think it's great. I think it's great that they made it so easy. And, you know, it's a no brainer. Like right. it's a great, easy way to give. So I actually wrote about this last week. I, I did a post about it. Um, and I mean, you don't really need a post to know what to do. You really can just say, you know, I'm not going to say it because my Alexa is nearby. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll link to my post in case you want to see like the registry list and all that stuff. That's great. All right. So that is our show for today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Andrea. Bye. Thank you. See you guys very soon. I know we're like in the we're in the middle of the real holiday season now. So it's like March till New Year's. That's what I feel like. <laughs> I feel like it's the end of the marathon. Um, All right. Have a great week. You too. And of course, you can find everything we talked about today on Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites and ParentingBites.com. We'll have a link to all to Eleni's cookies, to all the things Eleni talked about today. She dropped some great resources. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, to our Bites of the Week. Until next week. Happy, happy parenting. parenting. Bye.